Welcome to the Always On Podcast. I'm your host, Duncan McPherson. And on this podcast, our objective is to enable our audience, which are high caliber fee-for-service professionals, to always be working on their business and on themselves. So to that end, I just had a great conversation with Mike Sai. Mike is a business consultant with Pareto Systems. He has a great command for our philosophy and our approach. The feedback from his clients is just absolutely impeccable. And in this episode, we discussed how to shape a branding strategy and a brand identity that gives you professional contrast and professional scarcity by hosting a client advisory council. And we got into the weeds. We talked about how to ramp it up. We talked about how to execute. And then we talked about how to follow through and the results it creates. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please like and share and tell your colleagues. If you have any ideas or topics or themes down the road, we'd love to hear from you. And until next time, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the show. Okay, very excited. Uh, to have a conversation that will enable you to uh, give a different vantage point on your branding identity and branding strategy for the purposes of creating professional contrast and professional scarcity. And the way to do that is to add the dynamic of making your clients the voice you listen to. So if you think about this, There's your inside voice, that's your own perception and how you talk to your team about the way you want to brand yourself in the marketplace. And maybe you've hired a coach to have another set of eyes on your branding strategy. Well, the third leg of that stool is the client's voice. And there's nobody to help us get there than my guest today, uh, an absolutely stellar coach on the Pareto Coaches Network indispensable to the advisory teams that he uh, coaches and consults with. Mike Sai, thanks for being here. Thanks, Duncan. It's always a pleasure. Um, I enjoyed the last time you and I were able to sit down and chat, and I'm excited to share with the listeners today a little bit more about making the client the voice that we truly do listen to as advisors, and especially through the lens of the client advisory board. So happy to be here. Yeah, terrific. And, you know, it's interesting, a little peek behind the curtain. We recently uh, surveyed our uh, a group of our existing and recently former consulting clients, asking them if they would give their perspective on how we had an impact on their life and their business. And, uh, Many of our clients responded favorably. Your clients were especially positive about your impact. So let me just set an expectation here. And and I don't want to get too sort of theoretical or esoteric, but a branding identity starts with perception. This is your attempt to craft a branding strategy that impacts how you're perceived and described, but it's coming through your lens as a financial professional. Then you add the client's perspective. Okay, so you might've heard that we're talking a lot about 
how that SEC ruling from late in 2022 enables a financial professional to capture success stories and testimonials from clients. Letting your clients tell the story and seeing your value through their lens is absolutely essential because it it gives you incredible validation about your role and your calling. It rejuvenates you in terms of your sense of purpose and your, your impact on others. But it also gives you a sense of the proportion of your value. And, and Mike, I, I can't remember if you and I talked about this the last time we chatted, but a financial professional asked a client to video their feelings about their relationship. And it was so powerful. So this lady lost her husband. And she talked in this video about how she didn't really have a a really in-depth relationship with the financial professional until she lost her husband. And then it just became so incredibly uh, heavy, the magnitude of, of what had to be done. And the way she explained how indispensable the advisor is to her life, there's no way the advisor could tell that story. So facts tell, story sell. Let's talk about what you mentioned a moment ago, the Client Advisory Council, the Client Advisory Board. And one of the reasons why Mike has got so much credibility here is that not only does he fully understand the concept of this timeless best practice, but he recently hosted one on behalf of a financial professional. And I'd like you to break that down and unpack what went into that in terms of the ramp up to get everybody prepared the event itself, and then the follow-through, what happened after the event? Because now I think it's been three or four months after the event took place, correct? Yes, correct. Um, I was out there in September um, with this advisor and his staff. And what he's been doing is he's been hosting these client advisory board meetings for quite some time now, and he does them semi-annually. So he does one Uh, more towards the first quarter of the year. And then he does one as they head into the fourth quarter of the year as well. Um, So something that he's described to me is extremely beneficial to the growth of his practice and refinements that he continues to make over time. So it was enlightening for me to be able to be there and see it firsthand, especially with an advisor that I've become fairly close with. I've been uh, working with him for over three years now, So a lot of the things that we've been working on -on one-on-one behind the scenes, we were able to bring to light for many of his clients during the last council meeting that we had and get very open and honest feedback on everything that he's been working on. So extremely beneficial. Okay. So we talk about it at a high level, uh, but it's common for a coach to sort of talk about talking about ideas What I'd like you to do is just walk us through the A through Z of the Client Advisory Board. So how did you, and obviously this wasn't his first go round, right? but let's talk about preparing an advisor for a Client Advisory Board and Mm -hmm. creating predisposition and buy-in from the target clients. How many clients what are commonalities of the clients, just getting them to see the value in actually participating. Let's talk about ramping it up first. What goes Mm -hmm. into that? So 
What what he did essentially was, you know, when we talk about making the clients the voice through continued contact with his clients, through call rotations, basically, uncovering that his clients were interested in creating something like an advisory council, a way to get everybody together for a roundtable discussion about things that they enjoy, about the experience that they're having with the advisor, things that may be in the back of their mind that they would look at as ways to improve the experience that they've been having, and just an open forum to get a little more granular at the client level. And one of the reasons that I find that to be so important, Duncan, is that you know the years that I was advising myself and wholesaling and being around as many advisors as I have been in my career is that I think that they look at things through the lens of, of their own eyes. How would I want to be treated? How would I view these different services and not necessarily understanding how or what the client dynamic is there is how they perceive those things. And I applaud advisors that take the time to not just proactively reach out to their clients to learn more about how they feel, but then to take it to the next degree and actually structure a council meeting like this. So to look at the breakdown, essentially what he did is he got the initial group together, the first advisory council meeting. And I believe at that time he had about 12 individuals that were on that council meeting because you don't want it to be too large of a group Mm -hmm. where people become concerned about being open and honest about things that are going on. It allows it to stay small and intimate and get some really open and honest feedback. And what I've learned that he's been doing is it's kind of in a rotation. So people are only on the board for X amount of years, and then they cycle in new clients to get fresh perspective Mm. as well. So each person understands that there's term limits in regards to how long they're on the advisory board, which I think is a great thing to do because I haven't learned of many advisors that structure their council meetings like that. So prior to the meeting, he sends agendas out to everybody that's going to describe the topics that they're going to be discussing, which allows people to kind of prep a little bit so they can give feedback based on the different topics that we were going to be discussing during that council meeting. So he has a great relationship with a local golf club in his area. They have a beautiful room that overlooks the golf course there. They've got a nice little bar area and a reception area where prior to everyone sitting down, there was a really nice lunch that was provided. People got to eat. And then we hosted about a three-hour roundtable discussion that was agenda-driven with the individuals. And then afterwards, which was really nice, is their spouses were allowed to attend and they had a nice cocktail reception and dinner afterwards where we just got to converse and just learn more about the individuals that that were there. So the advisor has a great supporting staff um, that supports him with these endeavors and the planning and the preparation and getting the agendas out and the scheduling with the golf club and getting the room and ordering the food. And so there there is some you know time and energy that goes into doing this, but extremely valuable as far as I'm concerned. Okay. So I want to hit on a couple of things you said there. First of all, the concept of being collaborative with clients, does that activate a deeper sense of belonging that the clients actually are part of something meaningful? Do you Have you heard that type of feedback before? Yes, I have. And I got to see it firsthand at right. that meeting. Um, after we concluded, I had the opportunity to speak with the advisor's clients one-on-one. And the feedback that I received is that they felt very welcome 
there. They felt like they weren't just a number there and that they were listened to. Ways to help the advisor continually enhance not just what they're doing for the people that were involved in the council, but for new interactions that the advisor has will have with new potential clients as well. So um, everybody felt almost like a a small little uh, close-knit family because they got to know each other through the council meeting as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So the dynamic in the room, it it was just great. Back to your point about uh, the client perspective versus the advisor's perception. Uh, Because we've been saying for years, right? Like you're not marketing to yourself. Like I know you know what you're talking about, but you can't always believe your own hype i mean you're sometimes you're operating in a bit of a silo like a financial professional if they have 100 200 300 clients they do so much talking there's a subconscious reinforcement of how they position things but sometimes you Mm -hmm. need to elevate and look and, and just see it from a different perspective so that that's activated is what you're saying by by engaging in the client advisory board it is a hundred percent. And what I found interesting, Duncan, is I incorporated bits and pieces of what the advisor and I have been working on together over the past three years into this meeting. So I was asking questions that haven't necessarily been asked before of these clients that were involved in in the council meeting. And I think it was really good for the advisor to be there and hear how these clients were responding to the questions in which I was asking them. One of them being, you know, do you as a client of this advisor understand why he considers you to be the ideal client? So good. And there was a silence that was over the room there. And it took some time for people to start responding to that. But what I found to be interesting is that there was different responses coming from every single client there. They didn't really understand why the advisor considered them to be the ideal client. And that was eye-opening, not just for me, it was eye-opening for the advisor because these are long-term client relationships that he has with the individuals that were in that room. And it led him to come to the conclusion that I need to start doing a better job of articulating this type of information to my very best clients. Okay, so I want to come back to the different dynamic between the advisor hosting the event and having a third party conduct the event. But let's park that for a second because Mm -hmm. I want to speak to a financial professional who has thought about the idea of a client advisory council or board, but has not done it yet. Let's talk about just opting in And what are some of the mechanics of bringing that to life? And write down, Mike, I want to talk about the positioning, how to position it so that the the chosen clients see the merit and have a clear sense of expectations. Can we go there for a second? Yeah, absolutely. So as an advisor that maybe hasn't done something like this before, they've envisioned being able to do it, or if they even have the time and the capacity, I truly believe that you do. In, you know, in order to structure something like this properly, I don't feel like there's an overwhelming amount of time and effort that goes into at least creating the council and or finding a really nice place to host it. And I believe that reaching out to the clients and having a conversation around the fact that, look, I've been in business for X amount of years. And as time goes on, I want to do a better job 
of providing an elevated experience, not just to my existing clients, but how can I continually get better as an individual? How can I get better as an advisor to serve the evolving needs of my clients? And I've come to the conclusion as the advisor, then who better than people that I consider to be some of my very best clients, some of the best relationships that I know I'm going to get some open and honest feedback on. And I'm structuring this council for that reason. So we can get together on a recurring basis. I can hear from my clients' own mouths what they love and like about us and our firm, what they would love and like to see more of, and how we can better the overall experience. And it basically says that I'm not okay with the status quo. I'm always looking for ways to continually elevate what I do for the betterment of my clients. And I th- and to me, who wouldn't want to be part of something like that? Well, first of all, I mean, it's it's not like it's this admission that I've been doing it wrong all these years and I, I now want to take it seriously and get it right. It's basically right. saying, to your point, I don't want to ever take anything for granted or be complacent. So, so have you heard feedback around the clients, how it just reflects differently? and better in terms of how they perceive the advisor beyond just their technical ability as a as a financial professional yeah i think in many instances they see the the advisor as a as a person and you know it's not just my financial advisor this is a person this is a business owner um that's looking to refine what it is they do each and every year and get better at their craft while still serving and elevating the needs of their clients And, you know, I had so much fun afterwards, just sitting down with people as we were eating dinner and learning of their interactions with the advisor and why they enjoy the advisor and that they feel like they're part of a family there. I kept hearing that um, this is more than just an advisor client relationship. And we value that greatly. It it was just a fun experience. And, you know, I, I can see all the value that the advisor and their staff gets from this as well, because the staff was there as well. And mm. to go back to, to you know, your earlier comments about the advisor hosting versus having, you know, a moderator come in and host the event. The reason that the advisor started doing that is early on, he was hosting these himself. And very quickly, I think he learned that he can talk a lot and not necessarily just sit back and allow the clients to provide the feedback that he was looking for. So by having a third party, someone like myself come in and be able to host the event, number one, it's fresh. You've got a new individual in there. You've got a new voice in there. And it allows the people, I think, to open up a little bit more because they're conversing with me rather than just the advisor directly. So I think it allows them to even open up that much more. And I could see staff taking notes about what people were saying and comments that were being made and it allowed the advisor to sit there and just soak it all up. I don't know about you, but I've heard feedback where even if the advisor is going to host it himself or herself, to, to get the people in the room, they say, hey, look, I need you to know something. I've, I, I'm going through an exercise right now to elevate the client experience. I've actually hired a coach in a consulting firm to help us refine and optimize our client experience and adopt best practices. And my, my coach has asked me to 
make my clients the voice and hold, host a client advisory council. Just what the, the client hears, especially business owners. Like I had an advisor say to me that this business owner said to him, you know, I've been meaning to hire a coach myself just to sort of break out of the the status quo. And are you like they, that? They had a conversation about retaining a professional service like that. Your point about just how it reflects on clients, especially clients that understand entrepreneurship, best practices, it it helps the advisor break away from this notion that it's a book of business. It's an actual right. business. And you will relate better with business owners if you will reveal to them that, hey, I the clay is soft. I'm taking it seriously. Do you get that kind, same kind of feedback? Oh yeah, absolutely, Duncan. It's just a it's a completely different perspective. And it's truly a value added service if you want to look at it as a service that's being provided to your clients. And I think people are number one, very appreciative of that. I could tell that people were very respectful of the time that we had providing very open and honest feedback to support the advisor and try to help them. And that's something I noticed too. They want to help him. Mm. I was like, wow, these clients are here because of you and your team. And they want to support your efforts. This isn't just a self-serving thing where they're showing up for a nice lunch and then a dinner afterwards. They wanted to support the advisor and their team to help him and his staff continue to get that much better. And to listen to these folks and um, hear what what they were saying too, it, it was nice for me as someone that's been consulting advisors to actually be there in person. Because like you said earlier, you know, I give advice to advisors to do these things, but for me to actually be ingrained in it and run it live for the advisor, I can't tell you how powerful that was just for me as a consultant to be there because I've been speaking to this much more since hosting that that meeting for this advisor about the importance of building this into your practice. A customized podcast can add credibility and efficiency to your communication efforts. Sifting good prospects from the mass of suspects, staying top of mind with strategic partners and activating more advocacy from existing clients can be achieved with a turnkey approach. Learn more at proudmouth.com. Do you aspire to consistently attract and keep great clients while driving the enterprise value of your business? Do you want to achieve professional contrast by supplementing your technical ability with a consistent client experience driven by best practices? The Blue Square Toolkit brings the proven Pareto Systems philosophy and process to life in a way that tethers your team so that you can competitor-proof your clients, gain their full empowerment, and attract quality referrals, all while restoring liberation and order in your life, and all in an intuitive, easy-to-use turnkey solution. Visit bluesquaretoolkit.com to get your 14-day free trial today.
Okay, so yeah, that's awesome. And to recap on the ramp up, magic number is sort of nine, 10, 12 clients. I would, yeah, I, I, so when, when we were at that meeting, I would say there was about 12 clients in the room. And what I really liked that this advisor did is he has also been inviting strategic partners to his advisory council. So he had a CPA in attendance and an estate planning attorney in attendance as well that he has a relationship with to learn more about what the advisor's clients are speaking about, their needs, how CPAs and estate planning attorneys can better support their existing clients and what that looks like as part of the financial planning process. But it also gave those individuals the ability to share with how they can collaborate with the advisor better based on his process. I'm not sure if that advisor did this, but we're seeing examples of advisors that uh, will narrow cast and create commonalities of who they're inviting. Like I know somebody who did one and he invited uh, all sort of blue collar construction owner type clients in mm -hmm. that world because he wanted to go deeper down into that niche. Sure. Uh, have you seen that too? And I'm not sure if your advisor engages in commonalities like that, or is it just wide open? It was wide open, at least with his approach. I don't believe he had a specific niche that he was trying to or is trying to attract at okay. this time. Sounds like a great idea, though. I mean, if you're planning to focus on a niche and or refine what you're already doing in that space, why not gather very similar type individuals that are working in that space? What are their needs? What are their goals? How can an advisor support that? Um, no, I, th I, I think that's a great idea as well. Um, but what, what I noticed, um, at least at the meeting that I had attended, there was a retired police officer there. There was a uh, retired advertising executive there. There was a father there and daughter he had lost his spouse and how the advisor was able to support um, the husband after that and also educating the daughter on everything that they had done for mom and dad. And she became a client um, as well. Um, so many different types of, of clientele that were involved there. So great, great feedback. Well, I hear that. And I just, I just love the concept of renewed sense of purpose. Like everything, you know, whatever a professional does, they get so close to what they do. They're so immersed in it that their heads down, they're, they're delivering. And sometimes they do forget about the impact, the magnitude, the proportion of their relevance on a client's life. And you hear that and that's a great reminder. So, okay. So let's shift from the ramp up, getting mm -hmm. organized, logistics, facility, who to invite, expectation set. Let's now get granular on the event itself. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned that it's agenda-driven. Yes. I'd love to hear because one thing I, I remember you telling me was that you actually used this event as an opportunity to reframe and future pace. So expand the client's thinking and appreciation of the mm -hmm. advisor's value and future pace where the relationship's going. So I'd like to hear your perspectives on that. Sure. So when 
when when we got into the meeting, obviously it's agenda driven in nature. So the agenda is in front of everybody and the advisor does kind of the opening remarks and welcomes everybody there, introduces the moderator, which was me in that instance, just did a beat, you know, my brief bio and just got everybody comfortable. Um, I said a few words and then we kind of dove in to the meat of of the actual agenda. And where we started, like you had said, you know, I've been working with this advisor for several years. We've been refining his approach in his process. And he wanted to take the opportunity while I was there to highlight some of these aspects during this, this meeting, show people what he's been working on, because he had made mention of that earlier in this year during the first advisory council meeting. So people were anticipating um, this one in September, you know, wanting to mm. see what we've been working on. So this advisor took it upon himself to really professionalize the whole process. So we completely revamped his introductory kit, um, supporting collateral, additional pieces to support his story. So we unveiled that. We had the brand new introductory kits in front of everybody at the advisory council. So I was able to walk people through the refinements, the enhancements to the advisor's approach in the process. So they were anticipating this and I helped the advisor just do a very high level reframe with these clients, an understanding of what his process is, what it does, and what it means to them, and how it will continually support their evolving needs over time. Really looking to that future with anticipation, but we wanted to get feedback, not only how they perceived the updates that the advisor had made, but how they would have felt had he had these initially when they first became clients of his, had he had that to support his efforts, then everybody there was a resounding, wow. This is additional wow factor. Never had we understood fully the entire process, you know, the all-encompassing abilities of the advisor to be able to support not just their personal needs, but their financial needs as well, with a centric focus on what's important to them through what we always discuss with clients, form, you know, what matters most? What's clients why in life? What the advisor can control through the utilization of their process. So I was able to articulate all of that and how the advisor is going to be able to continually support um, the client's efforts and goals and aspirations through this. So we spend a lot of time just talking about client service, how we're looking to continually evolve that. We talked about suite of services, what he is providing, what he's planning to add in addition to that, the feedback, would people look at that as a value? And that was an important aspect of this meeting. Are your current clients perceiving what you're doing as a value or are you and your staff looking and or believing it is, but maybe clients aren't viewing it as that as well? It's important to get clarity on that as an advisor. And that was one area where I really felt like we, not just myself, but the advisor and his staff was able to get more granular at that level and get more of an understanding on if what we're doing is truly a value or do we need to re-examine things. Okay, Mike, that is a profound observation. You know, we've been saying it's only value added if it's something they actually value, but how would you know? So you in real time got that feedback. That's a very qualitative KPI that validates, okay, we're on the right track and removing the mystery, okay? So fee worthiness, future pacing to get out in front of evolving needs, understanding unmet needs, 
incredible competitor proofing. And so, okay, here's another. Oh, okay. I want to ask you a question about advocacy, but I'll wait mm-hmm. on that one. I wanted to ask for some of the sample questions that are on the agenda. Now, sure. Pareto Academy, we've got the Client Advisory Council strategy available. It's in a, it's a deep dive in the advisor playbook, but give us a, a, a an idea of some of the questions that were on the agenda. So I kind of laid out everything. We were showing visuals of, you know, a stewardship framework kind of service matrix, you know, what's currently being provided, some ideas for additional services, getting feedback again as to whether or not they felt it was going to be of value or not. So we had a lot of visuals there as well. So I think it's important um, for any advisory council meeting for you to have either some form of a screen with a projector or a large TV in there, um, because there are things that you're going to want to be sharing with these clients. So having visuals there, I think, is extremely important to support the efforts of the advisor or whoever is moderating the meeting for the client. Then we did have some additional questions that we were asking. You know, we were asking, you know, what is the firm's greatest strengths that we're providing today? You know, again, what what do you perceive as value that we're delivering? What are some weaknesses that maybe you see that we're unaware of that need to be addressed to continually support our efforts? What opportunities are out there that maybe you would like us to see take advantage of? This comes down to technology and software. I mean, in the financial services industry today, there's a large breadth of of option out there as to how technology can support the evolving needs of your clients, giving them access to certain things. So we talked a lot about technology and how people perceive that. Is it a value? Is it difficult for some people to adopt? Would people like to see advisors take advantage of more technology to get clients access to certain things? What are some potential threats to the growth of the firm long-term question marks that are in the back of clients' minds? You know, how would we need to change our firm so that maybe you would feel enthusiastic about introducing us to friends, colleagues, family members, learning about our people out there trying to advocate for us? And if they are, how can we support their efforts? Are we giving them a clear, concise path in order to make introductions, who they should be introducing, how they can be introducing? And what I found extremely eye-opening at this stage, Duncan, is that some of the clients spoke up and they said, well, we don't know if the advisor is taking new clients right now. Does the advisor have a minimum in which he or she incorporates into their practice? Do they have the time to sit down and speak with someone that I may have in mind of introducing to them? And again, this advisor has been working with these clients for several years, but again, the clarity piece wasn't necessarily fully there. Opportunity to go back to these clients, reframe the relationship, bring more clarity around what you do, who you do it for, how you do it, and help support your clients that want to advocate for you because they do. But what I realized in that meeting is they don't know how and they don't know who. Okay. Amazing. Uh, Hold that thought on the advocacy piece because I want to come back to that. You mentioned something about the introductory kit and collateral. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Is there any feedback around the finding the sweet spot between vapor and paper? I mean, the digital is amazing, but the tangible, the things that they can hold in their hands, there's still an important place for that. Did you get any feedback around that? I did. So when people were holding that folder in front of them, I noticed as we were beginning the meeting, they were thumbing through it. So they were looking at the additional pieces that were in there that describe the advisor's process, that describe the relationship that he has with his clients, that just you know highlights the team aspect as well. What was interesting to me was one of the advisor's clients was an ex-advertising executive, and she had like 30 years in the advertising industry. And she said the pieces that the advisor had created, this introductory kit and some of the supporting collateral were some of the nicest pieces she had ever seen. Extremely professional. And first impression, I believe in this business is everything. If you want to truly professionalize your practice after you've had the opportunity to speak with somebody for the very first time, I don't think anything can replace what comes next. The delivery of a tangible introductory kit that supports the efforts and helps tell your story. Okay. Terrific. Uh, okay. Let's come back to the advocacy piece. So you, you, you made three very powerful comments about what clients actually said out loud, just having the conversation about introductions and advocacy, not pitching it. You know, I'm trying to grow my business. Who else do you know chasing referrals, but just positioning it as a service? I make myself available to speak to someone important to you. So you, the feedback, if I remember correctly, you heard was, we don't know if he has the time. We don't know if, you know, if there's a an alignment based on minimums. Uh, there's a third one that I think I'm missing here, but but that that's invaluable perspective from a client that you can demystify in real time. I'd love for you to right. expand on that and what's come of it as a result three or four months later. So again, going back to what I had said earlier, when I asked the room, you know, do you understand why the advisor considers you to be his ideal clients? That's why you're all gathered here today. That's how he views you as mm. the ideal client. And this is why he values the open and honest feedback from people that he considers to be his very best clients. The issue that was there is that they didn't have 100% clarity around why he considered them to be ideal, which then led to, right. when we were talking about introductions, well, I don't know if he's taking on new clients right now. I know he's busy. He has a young family. Maybe he doesn't have time where he's not taking on any new clients right now. Does he have a minimum that I need to be made aware of? I have someone in mind, but maybe they don't align from a resource standpoint. So again, there was a lot of question marks in the back of these folks' minds, which is telling me based on the feedback that I heard, they want to introduce, but they don't know who and there's never very, really been a clear path as to how to make the introduction. That falls back on the advisor. Mm -hmm. You have to be the one that's leading and driving your clients through your processes to give them a clear, concise path as to how to make an introduction. Because, I mean, just human nature, if something appears to be too difficult or it's confusing, 
it's a heck of a lot easier to do nothing at all. And I think that's what happens to many of these clients is they, they just don't have clarity around how. Well, it's it's the old saying, it's killed in complexity, right? Too many clicks. I don't understand it. It seems like work and there's a mysterious element to it. So as to your point, if the advisor removes the mystery, this is why I do this. It's my sense of purpose. It's my calling. It's why I'm a financial professional. It's positioned, not pitched. Who do I do it for? I'm not all things to all people. How do you do it? There's a process in place. That's such a powerful re- real-time opportunity to remove that mystery. Have there been any measurable outcomes as a result of that? Because advocacy, we've always said this, right? It's not it's not just as a client that I'm I'm doing it for you. I feel I'm doing my friend a disservice by not introducing them. So if there's no mystery in between that, I'll make the introduction. Has he seen results? So he has just started the whole reframing process at an individual level with these clients. So as we're wrapping up quarter four, he's had multiple appointments. He's got more scheduled, much more scheduled as we head into Q1 of next year. So I'm sure I'll be getting more success stories from his efforts of doing reframing. I will tell you one story though. So earlier on in our conversation, I talked about the fact that there was an estate planning attorney and a CPA that were sitting on his advisory council. So through the development of this advisory council and inviting strategic partners, a one page piece was developed by the advisory firm, which talks about their process and it talks about their ideal client and the partnership that they have with the CPA. So I was on a call with the advisor about two weeks ago and he said, Mike, I just got an ideal client introduction from the CPA. He goes, we delivered a stack of those one page pieces that helps talk about our alignment of our advisory firm and the CPA's firm and what we do to support the CPA's clients with financial services. And the CPA had provided that one page piece during an appointment with one of his clients, which led to an introduction and an initial fit meeting. And it was well aligned. Um, based on that introduction to the advisor. And it was all developed through the advisory council. Feedback as to how they can collaborate and work at acting as extensions of each other's practices. Okay, so there's many things to love about this. One of them is this is timeless. I mean, we've been talking about the client advisory council for 25 years and sometimes there's just ideas and strategies that kind of run their course. But this is this is timeless. Uh, I know there's hot dots out there, AI and, you know, testimonials and social media and video and all kinds of different things we can embrace. But this to me, I'm just reminded that this is non-optional uh, based on relationship management, practice management, professional contrast absolutely key. I love that element around the strategic partners. I I frankly forgot about how that is such a powerful supplement. Okay. I want okay. So we talked about the ramp up. We talked about the execution. Let's talk a little bit about post event mm-hmm. because something I've been telling advisors to do is after you conduct a client advisory council for 12 clients, capture the essence of what you discussed 
turn it into an intellectual property in the form of a summary and a document of takeaways and then distribute to everybody. So an email to everybody, a conversation at a strategy tactical tactical meeting where as an advisor, you're saying, look, we're always trying to raise the bar. We're working with a consulting firm. We just conducted a client advisory council. We wanted to understand how we're perceived, how we're described, and what we can improve upon. This was the feedback we got from 12 clients, uh, and it's been invaluable. We wanted to share that with you. It's so incredibly powerful for priming the pump for the future to just activate a enhanced perception in, in the overall client community. Any comments or thoughts on that? So the nice thing about his staff being there are they they are diligently taking notes based on responses that the council are providing. And then they kind of break it down into various sections based on the different topics that we were discussing, because, again, the agenda is all segmented. So the nice thing is then afterwards, they're able to go back to the office. They're able to dictate all of the notes and put it in a format, which is then provided back to the advisory council that these were the highlights from the meeting feedback that was received and things that we are now going to be taking back as action items for ourselves at the advisor and the staff level. And then what's done at the next advisory council meeting is at the very beginning, they've got review of last meeting, highlights, suggestions, implementations, and dates in which we're planning on getting these things implemented. So this way, the advisor is able to go back and say, this is what we heard. So based on what we've heard, these are the actionable items that we're planning on putting in place. And this is when we plan to get them in place by and just get agreements and buy-in from everybody that we're taking your open and honest feedback and we're putting it into practice. Um, So that is revisited at each council meeting to update the council as to where things are at based on their open and honest feedback. So in other words, it is a best practice. It's not a transactional campaign that fades like the shooting star. It's the steady burner. It's this ongoing best practice that continues to build and it becomes the lifeblood of of just knowing uh, how you're perceived and how you can how you can elevate that's absolutely terrific i'm going to assume that your advisor would say if he were on this conversation that this is one of the best things that his team has done oh yes absolutely and i'll i'll be honest with you duncan in my years of consulting with advisors I have heard of advisors doing advisory council meetings, but haven't done any in quite some time. And not just even because of of COVID. I mean, I, I understand that through a wrench and, and a lot of things for advisors mm-hmm. just in, in the way of events that were being hosted. But I saw advisors that were doing these years ago and got away from doing them for whatever reason. But I will say this advisor, this is something that he's had in, incorporated for years And he said it's allowed him to just get better and better and refine each meeting. And it just allows him to continually get out in front of his clients. It allows him to interact at a personal level. And I don't think there's anything that can ever take the place of the personalized touch Mm -hmm. there and hosting these types of meetings and being truly proactive in nature that says, I'm always working on my business. And that's important for people to see at the client level. Well, it's funny you say that because I do know some advisors that um, 
defaulted to a virtual client advisory council during that whole debacle, Mm -hmm. the disruption in the spirit of just plateau avoidance and just creating some inclusivity and belonging. And also just reading the room around how this is going to impact the relationship. So those who work on their business are nimble. They adapt. It's fantastic. But this, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm so so glad we had this conversation. And uh, you've got such a great command of this. And uh, I love the idea of a third-party host because it lets the advisor step back and watch right. and soak it in. It just reflects so well on them. And uh, yeah, third party is powerful. Okay, I want to wrap up with this one thing on a personal note. You and your dad have been so gracious to make it easy on people like me to actually say your last name because there's not many vowels in that name. Uh, so that. I want to honor I want to honor your heritage. I want to hear you say your last name because mm-hmm. Sai is a an abbreviation. I want to hear you it say is. your last name and talk a little bit about the heritage, where sure. do you come from, and talk a little bit about that. Sure. So my full last name is pronounced Sai Thamel. So my father's family is Bohemian, which modern day Czechoslovakia now. Um, I'll come from the Prague area there. And as my father's family came over, obviously people had a very difficult time trying to pronounce Saithamel because it's spelled C-A-J-T-H-A-M-L. So it's very rare I come across an individual that can pronounce the last name. And I think it's only happened to me about five times in my entire life. And because that person come, they they came from that region. Mm -hmm. So they understood how to pronounce that uh, last name there. But the reason that we adopted Sai is phonetically the C-A-J is pronounced like Psy. So everybody for just, you know, purpose of ease would say, we're just going to call you Psy or Mike Psy. And I said, yeah, that's fine. Because growing up, you know, each year having a new teacher, you know, when they would do roll call, you know, is there a mic and there'd be a long pause and I would raise my hand. I said, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrific. Um, my youngest son, who spent some time in Europe going to school, uh, he went to Prague, one of his favorite places to visit. He took a great picture of that clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, that clock, how is that clock been operating for 500 years? Or It's been there for a really long time. And I, unfortunately, have not had the opportunity to get over to Prague to visit. Something my dad and I have talked about doing for a long time, which we just need to get around um, to doing it there. But that that whole area of Prague, um, just from an architectural standpoint, is yeah. still one of the most beautiful areas over there because of the fact that it was pretty much untouched during the war um, right. as well. Um, so a lot of it remains. Well, yeah, the the, the clock is spectacular. And I, I my, to hear my son describe its history, its origins, its uniqueness, it's quite uh, powerful. He also uh, visited, I mean, being Canadian, the uh, Czech Republic. Uh, so it's referred to as Czechia now. Is that, did I get that right? I believe Czechia? that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he went to the Hockey Hall of Fame there and actually bought a jersey. He was so impressed and moved by how many great hockey players have come from the Czech Republic or mm-hmm. Slovakia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he bought a, he bought a Pasternak jersey. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, I based on the pictures, because uh, I've not been to Prague myself, but I want to mm-hmm. go as well. It seems like it's an absolutely essential uh, bucket list item. And the history is just spectacular. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. I love that. Mike, thank you very much. Any other closing comments? We covered a lot of ground here. But uh, first of all, people, I connect with Mike on LinkedIn, an essential follow. Um, closing comments? For, for any advisor that's ever considered doing this, or maybe you know they were doing it at one time, I recommend putting it in to practice and just just doing it. You know, not not thinking about it. You know, just creating an agenda. Think about some of your very best client relationships. Do some proactive outreach. Talk to them about the idea of creating an advisory council for the betterment of their experience that they're having with you to help you support your staff on getting that much better at not just providing a high level of service and experience to them, but how they can better the experience of new potential clients that are coming on board as well. After you host your first one, the feedback that you're getting is going to be invaluable and you're going to see why you're going to want to continue to do these and put them into practice and keep them there. Yeah, very well said. And done is better than perfect. Follow our process. It's pretty much turnkey. And then consider how you can personalize it. But yeah, I think you'll be incredibly rejuvenated and pleasantly surprised and lots of feedback to build on to uh, up your game and raise the bar. Okay, Mike Scythomel, thank you You very much for your input commentary. And we'll definitely have you back. Uh, I love behind the curtain, like the, the lab effect here, because this is real and it's uh, very, very meaningful. So I know you're a busy guy. Thanks for your time. All the best for the holidays. Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll see you next year. Thank you for listening to Always On with Duncan McPherson, where our objective is to enable professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves. Want to learn more about Duncan and his team? Visit ParetoSystems.com. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Pareto Systems. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast is powered by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. If you're like me and want to spend more time educating people and less time selling, Proudmouth helps turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. They will help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more.